You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, Onyx is a digital mapping app that you download directly to your phone, mobile device, and you can even use it on your desktop. But what is great about it, the functionality here, is that you can drop waypoints and you can mark tree stand locations. You can mark trail camera locations, scrapes, rubs, bedding areas. You can document all that. So it's like a living journal of your properties that you hunt. Now, what's great about this, it can be used on a small scale, let's say like a 40 acre farm, or like we did on our mule deer hunt out west, this 33,000 acre uh, big chunk of public ground. It can allow you to document everything that you've seen on there as well, glassing points where the mule deer were coming in and out and so much more. If you want to find out more about the functionality of Onyx, visit onyxmaps.com. And for first-time users, you can use the discount code NATION20 for 20% off. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. How is it middle of November already? Getting to be the, the honestly, the, the second half of November, this has just flown by. All of deer season has flown by. So if you are in the same boat with me, oh, gosh, have to let us know, guys, because it, it's just been wild and crazy, traveling a bunch. Um, not a ton of time in the tree, but, hey, you know what? When, when you're working, enjoying what you're doing, that's okay. And we guys, we have you to thank for all that, for following along, um, you know, commenting, sharing things on social media, uh, reaching out with questions. We really, really appreciate all that interaction. And um, today, hopefully, is going to be no different with your guys' response to this podcast. We've got a special guest coming on. He's a Land and Legacy client out of the Kentucky area. And he's going to share his story of the, his property, uh, probably a little bit about the consultation that we did on his property in February of this year 
2019. And I want overall this podcast to really be that fuel and that encouragement as we all share the same passions for improving land. Heath Sutton has just rolled up his sleeves and gotten busy on his property. And that's what we're talking about today. So a lot of times when Adam and I go to a property, we just kind of hit the ground running. We want to understand the goals, the aspirations of the property, uh, realistically what what the landowner wants to be able to accomplish there. And then we're not going to hold back when it comes to the recommendations. I, I know this is kind of a review for those who listen a lot, but for those who are new, we want to make that property um, just as good as it can be. So again, we're not going to hold back on, on recommendations. If it's going to promote or get you closer to accomplishing your goals, we're going to recommend it. And so oftentimes there's a lot of work, a lot of follow-up to, to happen occur on a property. You know, it's never really truthfully ending. You know, you, you make these improvements, you make these changes. And then once these changes are made, you have to maintain them at the right you know, let's say it's the right the bedding cover at the right height or, or nesting cover or, you know, the, the right amount of fire return interval on a property. Whatever whatever it may be, there's, there's still always work. But oftentimes, you know, with the amount of work that we, we will recommend to someone, we don't want it to be overwhelming. And, and for Heath Sutton, um, man, he is just that example of a guy who has rolled up the sleeves and just gotten after it. And so we wanted to be able to share that story and say, hey guys, here's someone who has a, you know, average size property, um, a gentleman who wants to promote white-tailed deer, wants to promote wild turkey on this property and just hunt it effectively. He lives there with his family and, uh, he just has gotten flat, flat, gotten after it. So today's podcast is a review of all the different things and the the transformation within, you know, what's nine months or so that this property has gone through and what it's going to look like come spring green up next year. And so we want to share that because, again, it's, it's going to provide that encouragement of, hey, there's other people out there who are making these big changes, doing it, and doing it in a time frame that's really pretty dang short. You know, he's really gotten after it, and we want to be able to showcase that, give him the additional encouragement to continue going on because it's, it's uh, although a lot's been done, there's still a lot more on the, uh, the the chopping block to get done on the property over the next few years. And then again, once you get to that, that standpoint of, of okay, I've, I've made all these changes, now it's just the maintenance of, of these elements that, that I've changed or added to the property. Um, so that's what we're, we're going to review today. It is mid-November, but all these changes, again, are going into the long-term benefit of the property. I think we'll, we'll probably touch on that is that balance of short-term goals versus the long-term goals. And Heath is, is, a, is a perfect example of that. Yeah, there's, there's you know, a lot of disturbances on the property, uh, September, October timeframe this year. However, he's looking at a mindset of saying, 
here's year one. I've gotten all this done. If I tried to break it out and chunk it out, I'd be, you know, maybe year two and three if I just hadn't committed to it like I did all throughout the year after we left. And so a lot of work can get done. And he's, let's say, sacrificing some hunting opportunities this year during this fall, knowing that next year I'm going to be in a lot better place because of all the changes that have happened. So again, it's that balance of the short-term goals versus long-term. That's another reason we wanted to share this story. So everyone listening, hope you guys enjoy it. We'll get Heath Sutton on the phone here now. All right, Heath, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, man. Well, I hope you are ready to just blow the socks off of some of these listeners today with, with all the amount of work that you guys have done. And I, I know that your uh, it hasn't just been you. Your family's been involved, um, a lot of mm-hmm. work with your dad and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to be able to help tell the story um, with yeah. your assistance of kind of what has transpired over the last nine months on your property. So so a quick little review. Um, how long have you owned the property there in Kentucky? Uh, bought the property in the summer of 2012. So right around, uh, well, I guess it'd be seven years now. Seven years. Okay. And so had it, had it for, for that long. And before having us out in February of 2019, so earlier this year, um, mm-hmm. what, what was a, what was a, your experiences there on the property and what were some of the things that you were thinking that you wanted to improve or, or had done, uh, up until that point? Well, you know, it's things that you typically you hear when you talk about habitat, you know, we need to open up the canopy mm-hmm. and, um, establish the fine bedding and better access. Uh, the problem was. I knew what I needed to do, but not how to do it, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Uh, I needed a plan, you know, a help with a plan. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go out and do a bunch of work in the wrong spot, in the wrong way, and uh, end up in worse, <laughs> worse trouble than <laughs> if I had never touched the place at all, you know. Sure, sure. You knew that the, the property had a lot of potential and, yeah. and and basically these these elements needed to be present, but then sure. how basically how the elements needed to kind of fall into place, let's say the order and everything yes. from from that point on. So you had it for, you know, six, six years. You got in touch with us and mm-hmm. uh, we were able to meet with you and your family there in February, just after the National Wild Turkey Federation convention. Yeah. And, um, and and again, the property it's located in. Rough, roughly uh, central, south central Kentucky. And it then is. how many acres is it in total? It's uh, a little over 120. Yep. So just over 120. And it kind of is a roughly an L-type shaped property. Yeah, a little bit more like longer. than or L, yeah. Yep. Perfect. So, it, you know, kind of give everyone a little bit of an understanding of general size, some of the, some of the regions and stuff that it might fall under. Um, so, but primarily it is almost all wooded with a couple yes. ridge tops that have been um, cleared for food plots and then one bottom um, mm-hmm. little area that's got food plots. So roughly was it about five, six acres open on it? Or? Yeah, it's, it's between five and six. Okay. And those are the kind of skinny, 
narrow kind of long food plots and, that, and that, they all just kind of worked out that run north and south right right um, and basically one one main road through the property and 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 yes. portions of that <clears throat> excuse me cut through some of those openings to get you back further across the property into um, other portions so you know like you said earlier access was was kind of limited um and then this the amount of of open acres on the property because of the lay of the land and uh the basically a available space to be able to plant yeah it was kind of limited yeah. you know there, there's a lot of a lot of roll in that uh in that portion of the country and yeah it's not huge hills but it's topography you know that's a right of, a lot of slope and the rich tops and the bottoms are kind of all you got that's right and you had utilized what you had by mm-hmm. opening that up um the five or six acres but then the question was okay how else do we maximize um the rest of the property and prior to yeah. us getting there you had a hardwood timber sale talk to us a little bit about that um prior to coming on site kind of what transpired and and uh kind of what the initial logging would have taken out well you know uh, there was like you said most of that's timbered about 100 acres of it's timbered and there were some mature trees and i knew i needed to open up you know some of the canopy and just like you and Adam talk about, I mean, the goal was to try and get the the, the land to help pay for itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I had uh, talked with a couple private uh, foresters, and they had come and looked at the property, um, hired one, and he inventoried the hardwood that was mature, and we put it up for bid, and uh, it was bought, bought standing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the, what was sold was oak, white and red, walnut, cherry, ash, uh, poplar. And I have uh, had the significant saying of cedar as well. And that was also part of that hardwood sale. It had been inventoried uh, as well. And, and so basically yeah. all of that timber that had been inventoried at the, the first harvest, it had been bought standing. And so they had open open ability for for a certain time frame to be able to come in and harvest that correct yeah part of the contract was 24 months for harvest so he, okay. he had 24 months two years to, to cut what he bought and Perfect. beyond that i could sell it again mm-hmm. whatever wasn't taken during that time frame correct. so really that sets the stage up pretty well for hopefully everyone to kind of get a, a rough understanding of you know, this is, it's a 120-some acre property. You know, nothing mm-hmm. super huge, but nothing to, uh, to definitely turn away from and say, you know, it's just 126 acres. That size property, you can do a lot, and you can impact yeah. a lot of the acres around you and and really have a pull, let's say, to the neighboring wildlife that uh, calls the area home. You can make a big impact. And so you took a lot of the right steps even before we ever came to the property, but there was right. things you to know, still be- address. Go ahead. Before, before doing something, I mean, even the, the mature harvest, there was no difference from my 120 acres from the neighboring 120 <laughs> acres and so yeah, on and so forth. Right. It was all the same. Mm-hmm. So one day a flock of turkeys could be on this ridge, and then the next yeah. day they'd be on the other the other one because there just wasn't any difference. There's no just pulling factors of or holding capacity on your property. All homogenous, all mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, okay, now we're at consultation. Mm-hmm. What? I, I, I always kind of wanted to ask this question, and I'm a little scared too, especially because we haven't <laughs> <laughs> we haven't <laughs> talked about it since, really. But what was, you know, when we left that day, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, holy cow, they're all talking about, you know, this road here, <laughs> fire breaks, implementing this, these different planning strategies, uh, these different forges. We're talking about heavy edge feathering, going in and addressing these invasive species. Oh, my yes. gosh, the eastern red cedar. Like, where, I guess, where was your mind at when it comes to, that's a lot of work, guys? That that was, yeah, I mean, at first, it's like, wow, that's kind of overwhelming. I'm one guy. I work a lot. And- mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the family that helps with the property is about a hundred mile drive from me. Yeah. And so it, you know, and that, it, and we can all do that with anything. If we have a big project, no matter what it is, we kind of, if you look at it from the entire, you know, project as a whole, it can always be overwhelming. But, oh, sure. Uh, sure. You know, the old saying is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's right. And so I just started looking at it as one bite at a time, Matt. And uh, it's it's been surprising what's been done in the last few months. Oh, man, it, it has been. I uh, I get I get tickled and, and really enjoy all the the updates because it truly. <laughs> no, I I mean that because it's I get it's I get so a excited. <laughs> you, well, no, I mean it, it's awesome because I I'm here in Missouri. You're in Kentucky, and mm-hmm. we are still able to contact though and see through pictures, through videos, yeah. what's mm-hmm. happening. And, and truthfully, it allows us to be able to help make these additional additional recommendations because we're yeah. we know where you're at in the stages of this transformation. Yeah. So, let's say post post uh, consultation. What are some of those next steps that that you you take? Um, one of them, and, and I think honestly, will make the largest impact, vis- one visually, um, but then just overall property impact is is going to be this the eastern red cedar, let's say, yeah. issue and problem. Kind of walk us through, not maybe renegotiating or relooking at the Eastern red cedar mm-hmm. um, yes. and then having that actually removed throughout this nine month period. So the 24 months on the original, you know, timber sale was up when you guys had come for consultation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so not long after I met with you and Adam, I began calling, you know, cedar uh, loggers in the area and uh, had them come look at the cedar and, and, and see what interest there was. And there was quite a bit, actually. Wow. It was kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the cedar buyers, loggers in this area do mulch. Okay. Um, there was a, a gentleman about an hour and a half from me that does more than mulch. He does cedar posts for fencing. Yep. He, uh, most of his business is cedar cants for, you know, shingles and housing and other right. things. Yeah. And that, that's where he does most of his business and he was very interested and uh, he's the one that actually um, wanted to buy the cedar from. Perfect. I think that that oftentimes is, it's really easy to be able to go and, you know, have a, have a preconceived notion of whether it's a, a logging operation or working with, um, you know, log buyers or, or different operators. 
it was uh, interesting that, that there was that, I guess, uh, marketable uh, cedar. Because um, typically, especially in this area, it, it's oak mm-hmm. and walnut, and that's kind of what, what loggers are interested in. You know. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't think that the cedar, you know, being a softwood, uh, it's definitely not high on the, the marketable list. Right. But there was, in, in every region... There's those unique markets, and I think that uh-huh. if you have a good forester that works with you, they're very well networked out into some of those markets. And so right. if you do your research, you can find those people and get some actual value for some things that are often overlooked by your operators who are targeting your higher dollar stuff like your walnut and like your white yes. oak logs. you got to search. That was... Uh... I think that the key for helping me not only with the initial sale, but the second sale was the Forester. Mm-hmm. You know, it was money well spent. Well right. spent. Absolutely. Absolutely made a difference. And, and so you go back into looking at the second, second, basically opportunity to uh-huh. sell cedar. And, and mm-hmm. I think that we, we, we spoke on the phone about it is uh, you're the only guy who I've ever known is to be able to sell your logs pretty much twice because the first guy, he never came and got them. And and they're all standing. You know, it's not like he cut them. It's all standing. He just didn't utilize what he had paid for. And so that contract ended. It is still, it is now by that contract ending your property, your logs, Mm -hmm. put it out to bid again, got paid and now here comes the equipment rolling in. What what time frame did they did they get to the property? Well, the, he wanted to be there in June, but we had a wet June, yes. and he ended up coming in July. Okay. Um, and uh, he cut, I think, for three to, and eh, that's probably four four and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty impressed with his uh, operation. He he runs a fellow buncher. Yep. And. Um, he could cut a lot of trees in a short amount of time. It was yes. impressive. What um so, what percentage, let's say, okay, take out that six acres of of um openings, food plot openings. We've got some previous logging that got done, but what mm-hmm. percentage of the property within let's say the timbered acres would you have uh, said or bef- let's say before they arrived would you have said was uh, comprised of cedars now, was, and, I guess, yeah. the, and then compare that to after they cut? You know, I, and I would have thought, you know, before the harvest, it would have been maybe an acre or two yeah. uh, of, of cedar. And, uh, you know, when you and Adam were there, you know, you may have obviously had a better eye for that than I did, but... Um, I drastically underestimated the volume mm-hmm. and and how much that canopied um, the the forest and how much I just room that took up on the property was eye opening when they were done to say the least. How many? And and it's it's hard to tell because you know it's not just one just okay block of cedar. You had you had some areas that were definitely very dense. And, and yes. heavy cedar concentrations. But, you know, they still were able, with a fellow buncher, with that equipment, to be able to navigate through the existing hardwoods and go in and select these trees yes. and pull them out. How many acres now do you think were actually log impacted 
by removing the eastern red cedar after the harvest and really kind of analyzing and getting in there? It, it's, I would say, 15 acres, 20 acres that, you know, is now open. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, three, it's, you know, at least three to four times my actual food plot openings. Right. You know, just with that, that one that one project it was unbelievable i mean it, it really was i was shocked i think that there's a couple things right there off the bat that need to be addressed is okay you you re, you did your research you you found mm-hmm. a guy who, to come in and give you um you know a a, a great cut on on cedar right yeah, cedar logs right. okay so you're able to make money at that and then at the same time where a lot of times cedar is okay. Hey, I'm not gonna be able to pay you, but I'm gonna be able to remove it from the property. It's gonna be kind of a clean sweep. You got, you not yeah. only got your your pretty much labor that we would have, you know, recommended you to do anyhow is clear the cedar out. Yeah, you got all that paid for, and you got money in your pocket to be able to put yeah, absolutely back into the property and address yes. the other. Uh, you know, recommendations that have been made and other features of the habitat that needed to be improved. So you've got 15 acres of, let's just say on the low side, 15 acres now of more open canopy, mixed canopy, mm-hmm. as well as some of them, again, they're, those denser concentrations, they're pretty much just old fields now at this point. Yeah. And, and at some point, I, I assume that they were old fields that had just grown up. They were once cleared down in the bottom and had just grown up in, in cedar. Now those are going to be managed as old fields. We're going to have a lot of herbaceous cover come back, succession take over, and prescribed fire implemented. And so mm-hmm. these old fields, they're going to be bringing, let's say, 2,500 to 3,000 pounds of food per acre. Right. You've got 15 of those across the the property now. Whereas before it was just closed canopy forest, and and that closed yeah. canopy forest of cedar is very very uh, that's it's poor habitat. You know you're very talking poor. you're talking under fifty pounds of forage per acre per year, and, and so yeah, there, you there's just nothing really of any value underneath those cedar trees. No, no, there's not. And that, yeah, it was surprising. I mean, it was. I think he ended up cutting 500 tons wow. of, of cedar, which is, what, a million pounds? That's incredible to even like, wrap yeah. your mind around. It's, it is. And uh, just seeing – I hope you I hope you and Adam can make it after the NFTF. Just see the difference. Oh, man, it I'd is, love to. Yes. It is like a different place. Absolutely. It, it is, like I, I text you several times. I'm just really geeking out over it. Because, yeah. Uh, well, was, I, uh, I remember. So encouraging, when, you know. Oh yeah, I remember when you texted. I'm looking at these, um, and it's not just a picture. It's it's these are the uh, what do you, what do they call them the what the landscape panorama panoramas yeah, but yeah. so it it is full on like you get in the center of this and you're just you know taking a 360 pretty much and you're looking around mm-hmm. and it's like holy cow! I remember looking at my phone and thinking, my gosh, that is awesome. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to replicate that type of impact and that type of transformation in such a short time frame by right. doing any other practice than just that right there. Right. I mean, it, it's incredible. And so, 
you you've done that throughout the summer time frame mm-hmm. and you gotten uh, a little bit of cash in the pocket what are some mm-hmm. of the additional things that uh, you've been able to address since that time frame utilizing that available money to put back into the property big project that is still underway is about halfway done is access roads and fire breaks mm-hmm. and uh, using those not only you know for a hunting tool uh, but also uh, as a bit of a way to steer deer sure and to steer some less than <laughs> respectful neighbors <laughs> that like to venture over the line sometimes yeah yeah um, and uh, it is uh, it, that's going to be huge it, it, it's going to completely change how I can get to and from different areas of the property. And, um, and the fact that they're going to be, a, you know, double use as fire break. Sure. Um, is going to be important. Um, uh, one of the things I did too, after consulting with you and Adam was talk with the local and RCS agent mm-hmm. and, um, you know, part of, these projects can be covered with two programs to, you know, requip and others um, that can help. Again, not only do I improve the habitat for, you know, wildlife, but it, you know, it also helps cover the cost of those projects. And so sure. it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, for, for a guy who's able to, you know, everyone wants more access to a property, especially one where you hunted it for, for five or six years. You had, <clears throat> pretty much one road to be able to go through and, right. and, and, and hit the property. And it went through several food plots. So if you wanted to hunt the back, you're coming back out and, and bumping deer out of mm-hmm. plots, this and that in the morning time, you hardly could get through to your property because you knew you were, you were bumping deer. But right. now you've gone ahead, utilize the cost share programs to create these fire breaks around more of the boundary of the property. And Correct keep that center of the property more of a safe zone and hunt the fringes. And one thing that, again, and you've already touched on it, is the, let's say, disrespectful neighbors who who maybe are colorblind and can't read very well the (laughs) the yellow posted signs on the property. And, And so by creating some of those fire breaks, some of that extra debris that mm-hmm. may be pushed into the interior of a fire break is actually being pushed to the exterior, yes. kind of creating a little bit of a wall, visual obstructions, so it's much harder and sends a little bit more clear of a message of this <laughs> right. is a fence line, this is a property line, and therefore it's not meant to be crossed. And, and, and yes. everyone, <laughs> you know, you're com- you're very respectful, respectful guy. And, and and you've you've done all the neighborly things, and so regardless, there was going to be a road there, right? You know, right. It just it was necessary to be able to manage the habitat and for you to utilize your property the way you yeah, needed to absolutely. and wanted to. But that extra little bit of you know debris there kind of helps accomplish another goal. So yes, killing killing two birds with one stone always absolutely. helps out. Yeah, absolutely. So. So There's that a, project is um, is going on. I've, I've been fortunate enough that my dad has a piece of equipment that we can use to do this. Yeah. And um, and you know the fuel is not cheap, but 
right. in with the money from the cedar sale and NRCS, it's going to be able to kind of cover the, those costs. Um, another side benefit of the cedar harvest, and I, I'm sure you remember when you were at the property, a lot of the edges of my food plots mm. or openings were cedar. Yes. And those edges were cedar. And so just harvesting the cedar along those edges, it, it did a lot of the feathering for me. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And, and so that does need to be refined and, um, you know, touched up and deciding, you know, closing it and opening certain areas of that feathering. But mm-hmm. it's that was impressive as well. Well, absolutely. Now now you don't have that that shallow root system of a cedar really taking and robbing nutrients. And, and everyone yeah. knows, you know, a cedar, they are really good at blocking sunlight. And so you would have not only, you know, that the canopy of that, that cedar robbing nutrients in the root system, um, you know, stealing stealing water resources from the actual food plot, but you had the sun blocking and shading out portions of the food plots too. And, and now yes. that's gone, you've got nothing else besides just herbaceous cover that will grow up to the edge of the food plot, which mm-hmm. is a great visual screen for deer coming in and out, nesting habitat, as well as you, you're, you've really removed that competition of the, the root systems that are going to be able to outcompete the food plot when times of drought, because they're going to yes. happen, spring, summer, even in the fall. I know it got pretty dry there this fall. Um, it just, you kind of removed all of that. So there's three birds with that one stone that are yeah. just kind of addressed by removing the issues. And it's amazing to see, okay, what the next couple years are going to look like. And, and I know as you kind of traverse the property, because you've lived on it now for a couple of years and, and, and owned it for several, you're you're just driving out there and I'm sure you're probably like, holy cow, this, I just, I can't get over how much change there is in the good. But what mm-hmm. I'm really anxious for is for you come June and July next year and to see that flush of the native vegetation that we're yes. fully anticipating to see come back and what that looks like and what that means that then was, for the wildlife. And even the few months that they, you know, had between the harvest and now has been a uh, impressive growth um, of a species, you know, I've seen, you know, wingspan and bear's foot and mm-hmm. wool grass uh, green briars, all kinds yep. of golden rods. Yep. Uh, broom, blue, you know, blue stem. Yep. Some sunflower, um, and then you know a lot of flea bane. It's just, yeah. it's just all grew, it's grown in the, you know a, a couple of months, and so it's just going to get better and better. Hundred percent. You know, you know, in the next growing season. Hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's it's going to it's going to really really change the way you probably see just the wildlife interacting on the property. I know you're a big turkey hunter and um, Mm -hmm. I would anticipate you experiencing, you know, more successful rearing of poults because of all the additional nesting habitat that it provides. But then the quality food plots that you produce with that, with that cover that will be able to hide and actually block poults from being able to be seen from aerial predators all these different elements that is necessary to rear pulse, you you have it right there, just ready and waiting, and yeah. so that's super encouraging um, to be able to see that impact on it. Um, 
One of the other things I know that that was pretty big as we toured around was addressing invasive species. Yes. One of the things that um, even after logging and that we are very mindful of at this point moving forward and because of um, the the additional work there done on the cedars was Japanese stiltgrass. Oh, it is the vein the of, vein of my existence. <laughs> yes, sir. It is bad. It, it it is one of those things that any really when you cross the Mississippi, it's here in in Missouri and places, but not nearly as bad as soon as you cross the Mississippi River and get in the eastern portion. Uh, just does really well in the eastern deciduous forests when you get a little bit, just a touch of sunlight. They can handle so much shade, and you have a little bit of wet oh. feet, minimal soil disturbance. It just, it is so prevalent. And I, I, uh, I, you know, I think I told you before. I think it would grow inside a cave. Yeah. You know, it's so shade tolerant. It's just everywhere in the understory. It, just it's everywhere. And I remember distinctly seeing it growing. You could tell the skitter roads obviously very yes. well on on your property, but that little bit of disturbance there caused from the skitter, the dragging of logs and trees, it was just very present on those areas. And yeah. so, really, there's there's no good way to attack it besides just rolling up your sleeves and getting out yes, there, sir. backpack sprayers or getting uh-huh. a small little ATV sprayer and just putzing around breaking that property up into quadrants and addressing this pocket this month, maybe moving to the next one when you got a couple spare hours. But it's, as you know, and have probably seen there on the property too, if you don't do anything, that's not, that's not a solution. And that so work. it, it, it just yeah. spreads and spreads and spreads. It is. It's not an it out really of sight, is. out of mind kind of thing because it's always it in sight if you just do that. Yeah, no doubt. Number one problem as far as evasive is the Japanese stiltgrass. It is just all over the place. Yep. And so, but um, you know, it it does. You know, it was it responded very well at the five percent glyphosate with some surfactant, mm-hmm. and that was encouraging. Good. Uh, it'd be nice if there were some little bug or beetle that would just eat it all <laughs> for me. <laughs> I hear but you. I'm sure. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have to be out there with the backpacks for, like you said, and just hiking up and down those slopes and spraying it out. It just yeah. has to be done. It just, and it's one of those things is, you know, you when you probably bought the property, you may not have seen it or or even noticed it being there, but maybe from the whether it was the loggers bringing some in, um, that's a possibility, or it just yeah. came in through the water system and some of those drainages, and then spread across the property after the the dragging of the logs across the streams mm-hmm. and everything just taking that seed from the from the bottom the lowlands up across some of the ridge tops and it's just uh again it's one of those things that as a as a land manager as you're wanting to make an impact to improve you know habitat to prove cover to be able to teach your kids um utilize this as a as a classroom right out your back door these are the yes. things that if if left unmanaged will always have its mark on the property but if yes. managed then you have the the full effect of the management plan as well as the response from the wildlife that you're wanting and working diligently and hard to get there's just no other way around it that the invasive species is uh, it's not here to stay 
but while it is here, it needs to be addressed. Yeah, cannot cannot ignore it because it just gets worse. It's worse. And I think that there's um, there's ton there's tons of other you know podcast that we've done addressing specific issues with you know Chinese privet, brush honeysuckle, all all these mm -hmm. different invasives that if you guys have questions go go check those podcasts out but without a doubt you got they they've got to be addressed. Um in yes. one of the, one of the other things Heath that I think that you have a really really good mindset on. I really appreciate um, and and I think it's kind of one of those unsung, you know, not not often talked about. Is as big of a hunter as you are, mm -hmm. you're looking at this project, the property itself, in a long term vision versus yes. short term goals of tagging a buck this year, or right. or being able to um, share a bunch of hunts with your dad and, and, and your family that comes in and helps on the property this season, you, you probably haven't been able to get out much and no. you you're okay with that though. Yes. And I won't lie. It did kind of pain me a bit to see all my, my, my forage uh, soybeans uh, crushed <laughs> by the skitter, <laughs> but I kept telling myself, Hey, it's just one growing season. It's, That's a, right. lot, it's a lot bigger than that. That's but, right. Um, you know, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of people think I'm crazy to be running a track loader through the woods, making roads in November, mm -hmm. but it needs to be done. And, you know, I want to be able to, to burn late winter. Sure. Uh, I've got to have fire breaks in place yeah. and it, it's to be able to hunt. I've got to have better access. Mm -hmm. um, so deer aren't going to go away because I'm, you know, doing some projects uh, out there this year. They're not going to go away forever. No. Nope. Turkey are not going to go away forever. But th these changes are going to be, I wouldn't say lifelong, but for my life, yeah, probably. I mean, it, there's, it's going to make a huge impact on the habitat, which is going to make uh, a huge impact on the hunting opportunities. Without, and, without um, doubt. So we've got to keep, uh, you know, that's what I've been, you know, keeping in mind is that, you know, this, this practice – um, these projects and maybe <laughs> interrupting my deer season, but it, it's going to be a lot. There's a lot more reward to that than just shooting a deer this year. hundred percent. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think it could have been uh, said much better because, you know, um, imagine, imagine that harvest that comes maybe next year, maybe, maybe the year after, and, right. and it's more of the caliber or the experience, or, or you see that deer, let's say, come out into a food plot, but before he comes out, you see him browsing on some of the native vegetation back in the timber, yeah. stages up, makes his way, comes swings around a treetop that you had kind of edge feathered and, and, and perfect broadside 20 yard shot into a food plot that you planted. Um, you know, those are those moments where it, all comes back around and you're like that's why that's why i waited or that that's why i didn't get worried yes. about it because this experience this hunt is what i've dreamed about it it, it, it was the goal it was the purpose of doing it all so sacrifice a little bit so i can i can have and experience the dream yeah big picture big picture you know uh 
one season, you know, work and add up to years and years of, you know, productive hunting and habitat. So oh, 100%. that's what I'm, what I'm keeping, keeping my eyes on there, Matt. Absolutely. Well, have, have, uh, have any big deer in your neighborhood been harvested? I, I know, you know, each year kind of South central Kentucky, it'll, it'll throw out some really good deer and you guys just opened up rifle yeah. season. So have you seen any, or had any buddies that have harvested any, any, um, and tonight at the bonfire we had at the, the house for the youth of the church, the, one of the dads that was there, his son was hunting, and he, he shot a very nice, very nice buck, had several drop tines and a lot Oof. of, you know, stickers. It was a very impressive, and he's, oh, he's probably five miles from where we were. Wow. So. Yeah, there's some good deer out there. I just got to make my place different than every other place out there. Absolutely. You know, got to be a place where they want to spend time and where they feel safe and um where i can get access to to, to take them home with me (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah no (laughs) doubt and i think that you a hundred percent are taking those right steps you know right out of the gate um and 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 just really putting your nose to the grindstone and and staying focused on it uh that that says a lot and i think that there's there's likely going to be a lot of reward for that in the coming years to be able to share the hunts with with your family there uh yeah. and be able to enjoy and uh listen to birds gobbling on the back porch hopefully every morning in yeah. the springtime and uh you know and i enjoy doing this work too i mean i'm out in oh, the woods sure. there's it's you know this is enjoyable to do this as it is to uh hang stands and plant food plots and you know i get to spend time with my dad as he's working mm-hmm. on equipment and you know it's uh it, it's it's rewarding in a different way sure. um and you know like i said in the back of my mind it's i know that it's going to be long term it's going to make a, a huge impact there um on the property and not just for me but for my kids down the road and hopefully my grandkids one of these days will come out there and hunt with me that's right that's right so if you had if you had, you know, five minutes to share with with someone who's listening and they're going through the same thing as, you know, hey, I, I'm making these changes. Uh, I feel like I've I've uh, been sacrificing and I feel like I'm at a point where, man, it's just like I, I do. Am, am I making an impact? You know, having those like doubts or those questioning sure. in their head, you know, what, what would you tell them from your perspective? Because they hear, they hear Adam and I talk all the time about yeah. habitat and all these changes, but, but from a guy who's actively doing it right now and, and, and putting basically um, hunting in, in the back seat for right now or in the back burner, yeah. what, what would you tell them? It's, you know, like we've been, been talking a bit before. It, it can be overwhelming. You feel like you don't know where to start, but um, it was a huge, you know, help, a huge benefit to have you and Adam come and kind of get me started in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I, I like having that plan. Mm-hmm. And then God needs to know that I'm, I'm not going to do something I shouldn't in the wrong spot and, and, again, cause some trouble or overlook something or – Again, kind of waste time, so to sure, speak. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I know Adam really loves his eastern red cedar. <laughs> but uh, I, and you know, I've, I've heard on the podcast with you guys, you know, a dozen times about it. And 
it just, I mean, it's amazing the difference. It really is amazing the difference. And I was just fortunate that there was a market for it. Sure. Um, but even if I didn't, cutting those cedars, unbelievable, the difference it made. And, and it's not even been a year. It's just been since July. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, getting me to focus again on the priority of it, it was really helpful. Right. Because, um, you know, I would go out on the property and, like, I'm going to, you know, spend this day doing projects. Start looking around. And I, I felt like, well, where am I going to, you know, start? Is this even going to make a difference? Mm-hmm. But it, seeing the difference, it, like I said, it's just, it's hard to describe the difference it made with just getting cedar down. And that just kind of put a little fire under me to do more. Right. Because right. if that did, you know, that one project did so much, what would the next project bring? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of uh, snowballs and, um, you know, I'm kind of maybe caught the uh, habitat bug from you <laughs> and Adam, but I really, I mean, I find myself enjoying that and, and making that such a priority that hunting is secondary, particularly now because I've got, you know, I've got to get these projects going, right? And understand the big picture of it. I mean, it, it's don't. Uh, I guess if I was talking to myself a year ago, <laughs> you know. Don't don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Yeah, and you know, like I said before, you just take one bite of that elephant at a time. That's right. And uh, eventually, it's going to be gone. You yep. know, you'll have it done, and I, I just can't wait to to see what it's going to be in a year. Yeah, uh, or two years. You know, it's it's exciting stuff. It, uh, it I know certainly it's is. Make a, it's a complete transformation of the of the place, and it, there's still a lot to do. But I'm I'm encouraged more than frustrated and overwhelmed. Well, that's um, good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> and I think I think what what helps to to understand, let's say, the value of everything is, is by placing real numbers to every acre on a property. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you know, okay, here we all know that deer need. Um, high quality forage. Okay, what does that yeah. look like? They need it for all four seasons. Okay, so I, I, I got to make sure I have all that on the property. And then I've got got to have good quality um, bedding cover. What does that look like? I got to have that for all four seasons. And that doesn't all look the same. And then I've got to have, um, you know, all these different elements. And, and by the time you, you really critically look at the property, whether you whether you've done stuff for 10 years or, or whether you, you just started a in on a property you just bought it there's there's always the necessary time to put on let's say the uh the critical goggles and look at the property in a different light from how would wildlife utilize this why would they utilize it and placing those real figures to the overall property really allows you to think Wow, I've got I've got stuff to do. I've got a lot of stuff to do, but when I do it, I'm going to increase or step up the overall carrying capacity, the value, yes. the attractiveness of the property by this much because I went from let's say 50 pounds an acre in a cedar thicket, monoculture cedar thicket. Now I'm up to in in a year's time frame, a growing season, I'm up to roughly. 3,000 pounds 
dependent upon the native regeneration. But you have that capacity now, whereas before you were you were limited. And so yes, that that is the encouragement is is to critically look at it, put numbers to it, and then go out and do it because there there's the plan, there's the action of that. You don't have to question anymore of what is this actually doing? Like, am I am I making an impact or or am I not going to see right. anything? So you don't feel like your time is wasted and, 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 and you're really knowing, hey, I'm doing it for this purpose. Giving, giving, let's say, every acre a name and a purpose and a reason for being there and being in that habitat type or that, that vegetation yeah. type really helps to understand the full big picture. It does. You know, now when I as I'm walking around the property working on these projects, I, I'm looking at, you know, around me, I'm like, what? what would a turkey or a whitetail be able to utilize here? Mm-hmm. If I can't find anything, I need to try and figure out how can I improve that. Perfect. And, you know, it, it's, um, I'm, I'm looking at the property with different glasses these days. Buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect, man. That, that, th- those are the questions I think um, that, that basically hopefully – uh, us being on site and, and sharing in the discussions and the demonstrations on on your property, um, hopefully that's that's kind of allowed those questions and the, the criticalness yeah. to be able to sink into you and and hopefully those who are listening too will then now take those questions and apply them to your property. You know, I think Adam and I have talked about you know being in a stand. It's 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 yeah, I, yeah. I'm in the hunt, but I'm also thinking, okay, how do I make this little spot better? How, what do right. I do? What exactly. you know, that's just that's just human nature. When you start on this stuff, you can't you can't go and look at other acres and not be critical. I think that's a that's a uh, a benefit, but also a negative because you're like, oh man, I gotta go do this too. <laughs> you can get right. a little bit scatterbrained. Um, but at, at the same time, it's one of those things of at the end of all of it, man, I'm gonna have a, a dynamite property because I'm I'm critically evaluating things. Yeah, man. Well, Heath, I, I I really appreciate your time. I hope everyone else has has enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. My pleasure, Matt. And I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving and Christmas. Same same to you and your family. And uh, I know that we will be back at uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation. There's some good cool things happening there that we're kind of finalizing. So. Um, we'll be sure to let everyone podcast wise know, but there's some cool things happening that week and we want you guys to be a part of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to run into you and Adam down there and, uh, you get a chance after to run by the property, come by and we'll, uh, I'll show you, uh, <laughs> I'll show you my baby. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> am of it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, sounds good, sir. Wow. I, it always blows me away, and I and I, I stay in contact with with Heath a lot um, through text and and sharing of pictures and everything, and it still just blows me away as we record, knowing the conversation we're going to have, but just the amount of work that's been done on the property. It's not an overwhelmingly large property, so you know it doesn't have to be big to make these impacts and to make substantial changes and influences of a local deer herd or a turkey population in a greater neighborhood doing these things 
making these changes and transformations and really doing them in a short time frame will allow you to see those changes that you want so much faster that that return let's say of the of the investment of the the sweat equity that's going into that property you're going to see that so much faster when you'd really just you get after it like Heath is doing him and his dad um and so you know it's just it's awesome to be able to sit back and and you know even though Adam and I are in Missouri and and Heath is in Kentucky being able to just stay in contact and know and provide some of that additional guidance through these projects that are occurring rapidly, but we're able just to follow along and know, okay, he's at this stage, he's he's now, okay, he's accomplished that, now now he's here, now, he, now he's, wow, he's already doing this. We know that there is a long, long history to be made there on that property, and, and the changes that are occurring, one, are benefiting the soil, they're benefiting the water quality, they're benefiting the songbird population, the amount of pollinators there on the property, as well as the wild turkey, as well as the deer, and as well as the family enjoyment that he can have on the property. So, yes, we talk so much about the land aspect on this podcast, but but here is just living proof of the legacy that's going to be left on the property. And all this is being done, again, right here in, in just a short time frame, nine months after the initial visit, all this has been done. And so that nine-month time frame, not saying, again, that, that this nine months, he you know, he's made all these changes and he's done, but let's just say if he stopped here and just maintained things as, as they are now, again, those changes are making and having that, that legacy that he can leave with the land with his kids, these memories that he's teaching them, or these, excuse me, the lessons that he's teaching, the memories that he's sharing. And so it's just extremely powerful to be able to have the opportunity to manage the land, to make these improvements, and have an outdoor classroom, if you will, right out the back door for the, for the kids to be able to go and watch and learn and enjoy and see the process, see these things change and develop. So super, super cool. And hope you guys were able to really take a a good amount of information away from the podcast um, that, hey, there's other people out there doing the same stuff, maybe that share the same struggles, or maybe that are addressing the same invasive species. Keep on fighting the good fight. Keep on improving the land, and you guys will see some awesome changes as well. We thank you so much for listening. Be sure to go check out the Instagram page. Facebook. If you have any questions, um, questions about services or consultations, guys, send an email to info at landlegacy.tv and we will get with you. Um, Appreciate all the interactions. We've got some awesome things coming you might have seen on the social media pages. A little sneak peek at the next patch we're going to be releasing. Hopefully that will be available come December, maybe just in time for some Christmas gifts, but um, there's another, and that's not, we've kind of hinted at another thing to be released in December, that's not it, so really we've got two surprises, one, the sneak peek was of the uh, wood duck patches, we've got another one coming too, so please continue to follow along guys, thank you so much, we appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week.